Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Anna Kale. All right, so my message today is called Preparing for the Day of Battle. And um, it is a message that has been in my heart for the last couple months, actually. And it was interesting because I, I normally, when I get something stirring for Threshold, I'll give Jake a heads up. Hey, I got something. And, um, and, and I'll let him know if it's like urgent or not. And it was interesting because I didn't, you know, I felt like it was necessary at some point. But when I got it a few months ago, it was like, ah, you know, whenever's the right time. And then as we began to, um, I think in August, we started talking about scheduling. And he was like, you know, can you do, you know, mid-October? Could you do, you know, like we were looking at the schedule. And I said, no, I think it needs to be the beginning of October. I feel like this month's really important, and I feel like it needs to be at the beginning of October. And so it's interesting. I'll share more um, why that just the Lord has confirmed that that's true. But um, I feel like this is a word for right now, for this time that we are in right this minute. And, um, and so that really excites me. And so I'm going to actually preach out of the book of Esther. Um, and I know we read that together as a church in April, and this is just something that just sat with me from that point on. And, you know, I, I think that's a pretty familiar story to most people. Um, but, you know, the, I'm going to just give a little bit of background leading up to the part that I'm really going to focus on. Um, so, you know, there's the king, and he call, he's having a big party. He calls his wife to come and show her beauty to everybody, and she refuses. And so she gets axed as queen. So his wise men have this brilliant idea to... Um, Gather all the virgins in the land, all the most beautiful virgins, and bring them in. And you can pick one of those for your queen. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure you think that. But um, anyway, so they start to gather all of the young women in the land. And this young woman named Esther is among them. And we begin to hear about her. She lives with her cousin Mordecai, who she has no father or mother. She lives with her cousin Mordecai, who treats her as a daughter. And she ends up getting gathered and going into the palace. And um, she, she has favor with the king. And Mordecai, because he cares for her so much, he goes with her. And so she's inside the palace. But Mordecai, it says, sits at the gate. Because he wants to know what's going on with her. He wants to check in on her all the time. He's got such a heart for her. It's so beautiful. And so he's there and he's very present. And so um, he, it's, it's interesting just the unfolding of things. You know, there's a plot to kill the king and he finds out about it because he's in the right spot. And he tells Esther and Esther lets the king know and it gets intercepted. And so, you know, his name now gets logged in this book because he's done this good thing. And um, then there's this man named Haman. And he is the king's right-hand man. And he is proud of that position. And the king honors him a lot. You know, he's, he's his right-hand man. And so there's this expectation. I'm like massively paraphrasing the first three chapters of Esther, if you don't know what I'm doing. So you can read it. I would encourage you to read it. But um, he, the expectation gets set that because Haman is so important that when he comes around, you should bow to him because he's so important. But Mordecai is a man of God. And he says, nope, I won't bow to anyone but the Lord. We forget about this part of it. We, we think of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but Mordecai wouldn't bow either. And so Mordecai won't bow. He refuses to bow. And this keeps happening, and it makes Haman so angry, so angry. And, um, you know, the friends that are around Mordecai are like, you know, are you going to ever bow? And he's like, no, no, I won't. So they go tell on him. <laughs> they go tell Haman, what are you going to do about this guy who won't bow to you? And Haman is so angry, you know, just, oh, his pride can't stand it. And then it says that he decides it's not just good enough to get Mordecai. He wants to get all the Jews. And isn't that the way of the enemy? It's not okay to just get the one who won't submit. It's like we're just going to take them all out. Okay? And so Haman goes to the king. 
He's got this brilliant plan. And he says, oh, king, there are these people in this land that their ways aren't compatible, you know, and, and they don't do the things that they should. And, and I have this plan to destroy them. In fact, I will pay money into your treasury to be able to destroy them. So he's going to pay the king to be allowed to destroy this people. And the king, in his, he's flattered, you know, that Haman wants to defend his honor so much. And he goes, oh, that sounds like a great idea. Here's my signet ring. Write up the letter. Distribute it around the land. There's going to be a day for this. Okay, so I'm going to pick up here in Esther 3.13. It says, letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces with instruction to destroy to kill and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. So this went from Mordecai won't bow to every Jew in the land, man, woman, and child, and their goods are to be destroyed. This is a pretty serious thing. So Mordecai finds out about this. And he, you know, ends up in sackcloth and ashes, and he's wailing at the gate. And Esther finds out and, and, and sends somebody to talk to him. He goes, what in the world is going on? Here's some clothes to wear. Can you please, you know, change clothes, and can you stop doing that? And he says, no, 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 this is what's happened. This is the edict that's been released against us. And he, he tells it to her, and he says, you know, we need your help. Like, we need your help. And um, so then in Esther 4, 13, then Mordecai told them, this is the messenger, to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And then here's the famous verse. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So she starts out going, I can't do this. But as she understands the weight of what's going on and as he reminds her, you may be in the palace but that's not going to exempt you from what's coming. She reconsiders and she goes, okay, all right, then we all better pray and fast and I'm going to do it. I'm going to risk my life and I'm going to do it. And so she ends up then, as the story continues, she, after 30 days, she prepares herself. They fast for three days and then she goes in before the king and he extends the scepter to her, which means... She's not going to die at this point. <laughs> and so she comes in, and, she's, and he says, what do you want? I'll give you anything up to half the kingdom. And she says, I want to I wanna feast with you and Haman. Could I, could I have a meal with you? So that happens. So they come in, okay, and they have this feast. And the king says, okay, what do you want? You know, I'll give you anything up to half the kingdom. And she says, well, can you come tomorrow to a feast, you and Haman? Okay, so this happens. And then that night... I love the way the Lord works. This is such an incredible story. That night, the king can't sleep, okay? He can't sleep. He's wide awake. And so he calls somebody in to read to him the book that has just the list of everything that's happening in his, in his, throughout his uh, kingship. 
And so they're reading it through to him. I don't know if that was to put him asleep or to encourage him or what, I don't know. Um, but at the same time, Haman has gone out of the gate. Mordecai was there again and he didn't bow again. And Haman is just done with this. He is so angry. He goes home and he's whining and griping to his family and telling them how great he is and why doesn't Mordecai bow? And they're like, why don't you build um, a gallows and you can hang Mordecai on it? And he's like, that's a great idea. So the king's not slept. He's hearing about all this. And up comes this story of how Mordecai exposed a plot to kill him. And Esther told him about it. And they researched it, found out it was true, took care of it, and the king was safe. And the king goes, wait a second. What did we ever do for Mordecai? How did we ever reward him or repay him for what he did? And the guy who was reading or the girl who was reading said, we didn't do anything. And the king goes, oh, all right. Just in that moment, guess who comes in the palace? <laughs> Haman comes in because he's mad. And he's going to ask the king's permission to ask Mordecai. But before he could say anything, the king goes, oh, Haman, what would you do to honor somebody? What would you do? And, and Haman goes, well, who would the king want to honor but me? And so he goes, oh, I'd put him in, you know, a robe worn by the king and parade him around on a horse and, and holler how great he is to everybody who sees. <laughs> the irony of the story is so great. And the king goes, yes, do that for Mordecai. And Haman was the one who had to do it. I mean, the Lord just has got a great sense of humor and his sense of justice is just beautiful. And so Mordecai, I mean, Haman has to walk out humbly and he has to do this thing. So all day long he does this. And then he ends up, you know, back to the um, palace for the feast. This is the feast number two. And the king says, okay, Esther, you know, what do you want? I'll give you anything. And she says, my king, there's been a plot against my people to destroy us. And I ask for my life. And the king goes, what? Who would dare to do such a thing? And she says, it's Haman. And the king goes, what? And he's angry. And so lo and behold, as it unfolds, Haman gets hung on his own gallows. That's justice right there. I just love it. Okay, so Esther 7.10. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai, and then the wrath of the king abated. I feel like the Lord is like the king of the backfire, the boomerang. You know, the enemy's plans end up coming back on him. And it's just, it's amazing to me because you just, I, you don't see it coming and they don't see it coming, but that's just part of how he works. All right, so I'm going to pick up reading here, Esther 3, or, sorry, Esther 8, starting in verse 3. Then Esther spoke again to the king. So this is, okay, Haman has been hanged at this point, all right? So the evil man has been caught, exposed, and hanged, all right? But catch here. Then Esther spoke again to the king, and she fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, if it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I'm pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king." For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? 
Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king and sealed with the king's ring cannot be revoked. The king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day, and an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews, to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script, and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote in the name of the king and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods. So when we read through this in April... What struck me was that Haman was defeated, but the planned day of destruction was not canceled. And it's easy to just read over that, I think, and not understand the implication of it. The day of destruction wasn't canceled. I mean, Haman got hanged, his, his whole property got given to Esther, but we still had this impending day that's coming that's already been released. And guys, when something was released like that, it couldn't be changed. It was like set in stone. It was locked in. And I believe we're in an Esther time right now in, in a massive way. We're in an Esther time. And the Lord is exposing evil. He's exposing Haman's. He's exposing a lot. And there is a lot of justice that's, that's happening and that's coming. But as I was like processing this with the Lord, and I'm like, yes, we're in this Esther time. And I was like, oh, but the day of destruction still happened. What does that mean? What does that mean for us? And I think it's important for us to remember that when the Lord is moving or evil is being dealt with, it doesn't automatically mean that we have no job to do, that we just sit back and just like let the Lord do all the work. And, and I don't know about you, but I know I can feel that way. I can have this, like, expectation or this idea that, like, oh, the Lord's got it. Which means then I don't have to do anything. <laughs> like, it, that's, again, this is, per maybe you don't feel that way. But I can have this expectation of, like, well, I trust the Lord. I know he can handle it. He's, he's the victorious one. He's got this. And then I, like, opt myself out from any involvement, it's like the two should go together rather than realizing, yes, the Lord has got this, but he's created a partnership with us. And so what is my role? Because it doesn't mean that, that, that I don't have one anymore because he's handling it. Okay, so Esther 8, 13, a copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly displayed to all peoples, and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. Here's the thing. Haman's plot and plan was of the devil. Absolutely 100%. But what his plot and plan did is it actually created an opportunity for the Jews to fight against their enemies in a way that they couldn't have done if that plot would not have been in place. 
If that day would not have been issued like that, there's no way the Jews would have been free to just whip out their weapons and go kill their enemies. That's not how it was set up at that point in that time. Like there was just not for sure no. (laughs) That wouldn't have worked. But because of Haman's plot and plan, this day got designated. And then because it got exposed, this day became the Lord's. And the Lord goes, the day you meant for destruction means I'm taking it, and now my enemies will be destroyed, not my people. All right? And that's the beautiful part of the Lord. That's his redemption at work. And so there was a grace for this day that had been designated. These were the enemies that the Jews were forced to live with. I mean, they, they like lived among them, and the Jews were a hated people. And so they just had to live in this place with these enemies, and now all of a sudden, they've got this opportunity where they're being told, hey, this designated day... It's going to be your day now. All right. Esther 8, 17. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. How about that? That's a turning of the tables right there, guys. <laughs> okay, but joy, when the Jews heard this, they were excited. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes when I'm like, okay, I have a part to play. All right. Oh, man, I hope I can do it. Like, I don't know that I always feel this, like, just excitement and joy at the prospect of going into battle and slaying my enemies, Right? But it shows that I don't know the power of my God well enough, and I don't understand the assignment that we have. So the fact that the Jews responded with gladness and joy, yes, I'm sure they were like, yes, we're excited that we're not going to be destroyed. But they were also excited at the prospect of being able to defeat their enemies. And it wasn't shaded by fear, and it wasn't, it wasn't shaded by, like, hesitance. It was just joy and gladness and feasting. That's awesome. What an incredible example that is for us as we anticipate going into battle. Like we get to face this with joy, with gladness, and with feasting. And this is not because we rejoice in anybody's destruction, but it's because we rejoice in the victory of the Lord and the Lord's plan unfolding. And so we get to face our battles from that posture rather from a posture of fear or anxiety or intimidation. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying we rejoice when somebody is being destroyed, but... There is a rejoicing that comes when the enemy is being defeated. And then the fact that it brought dread and fear on the people around them. The people around them must have like known something was up, right? I mean, the Jews did have some history of the Lord coming through and fighting their battles for them. And so we should be able to anticipate and prepare from a posture of joy because our certainty is in the Lord and his victory. Because we're not a powerless people. Here's the thing. This was not a random group of people. This was the Jews. This was God's people. These were the chosen people. These are the people of God. So this was not a random group of people that got to fight back. This was the people of God that got to fight back. Okay? And that's true of us. We are not random people. We are the children of the living God. We are not a powerless people. That's how we can anticipate victory because he's victorious. And through him, we're victorious. Okay? And so we have to remember that because I think we can get caught up in our own flesh and we just can forget. We're so quick to forget, but let's be reminded. Proverbs 21, 31, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So guys, we get ready. We do our part. We cooperate with the Lord and then he wins the victory. The victory is not won by us. The victory is won by the Lord. But it is important for us to do our preparation and our part. We need to prepare. 
We need to arm ourselves. We need to train with our weapons. Partner with the plans of heaven. And then the Lord is the one that brings the victory. And I believe, guys, that this is the time that we are in. The enemy is being exposed. There is a blatant clashing of good and evil like I don't think has happened in any of our lifetimes before. I mean, there is just a... I, we, it's, I'm not even going to use the word unprecedented because I think everybody's a little tired of that, right? But um, we are in that kind of a time. <laughs> and it is critical that we step into the role that we are called to play. You know, it is, it is not a mistake that we were born at the time we were born. It is not a mistake that we live right now. I'm pretty sure everyone would be okay to opt out of right now. I get it. I get it. But let's not see it that way. Let's recognize the opportunity that we get to be in this time right now. We get to do it as the people of God who he has not changed. The Lord has not changed. We don't know what's happening right now. We may not know his strategies, but that's okay. The soldiers don't always need to know what the general's plan is. They obey their orders. And if they obey their orders, then the plan can be fulfilled. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, and then into 8 says, For everything there's a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Verse 8 says, A time for war and a time for peace. And I believe right now is a time for war. I just believe that. I know those of you that know me are not shocked to hear me say that. But I believe we are in a time of war right now. I don't know what that looks like in the natural. When I say that, I mean in the spiritual. Because here's the thing, guys, let's not forget, things are raging in the natural, but the natural is just a, simply a reflection of what's happening in the spiritual realm, okay? And so what we are seeing in the natural is alarming. But not all of us can see what's happening in the spiritual realm. That would be an interesting thing to see right now, okay? And so that's the thing that we cannot forget is whether we have, like, I, I hope we don't have any physical war. Guys, I'm not, I'm not wanting to, ha for, to have to pick up weapons in the natural. That's not what I'm talking about. But we are at war in the spirit, and we do need to fight. It is critical that we engage in this war. 2 Samuel 11:1. 1. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged the Ammonites and besuited Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem and fell into sin with Bathsheba. It was the time for kings to go to war, okay? When you know the times and the seasons, what time is it, what season is it? That was the time that kings were to go to war and David stayed home. That's why he landed himself in trouble. If he would have gone to war, that wouldn't have happened. And that's why it's so critical for us to know what time, what season are we in? Because we don't want to be in the wrong season. We need to be right where the Lord has things and engaging with him in that. Otherwise, we're just missing it. And we may just get ourselves in trouble. Let's not do that. Let's just be right where the Lord is and what he's doing. So as I was just meditating on this and thinking about, you know, what the Lord wanted me to bring, you know, I was just kind of reminded, okay, I think a lot of people are weary, though. You know, you're like, Anna, you want me to go fight? I'm tired. It's been a long 2020 already, and it's not even over. And I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. Every part of me is strained and exhausted and overwhelmed and done. And I think that's really valid. I just want to acknowledge that. If you feel tired, it's okay. This has been a hard year. And that's all right. But here's the thing. 
The weaker we are in our own flesh, the more of the Lord that we need. And the Lord is faithful every single time to meet us and supply what we need for the assignment that he's given us. And guys, I'm going to just be honest. I think there's also, we are, we're, um, it's becoming very clear the ways that we've allowed ourselves to become complacent and apathetic. And I wouldn't say that's just from this year. I would say we've been on a course of that for a long time because in our country, things are very comfortable in a general sense. This is a blanket statement I'm making. I know there's exceptions, but just we've been allowed to just coast. We've been allowed to fence sit. We've been allowed to fool ourselves into thinking we can be neutral about things. You can't. But we've allowed ourselves to just be in this place of complacency where we're just being lulled to sleep. It's like we're just lulled to sleep, so we don't really care about anything too much. We're just floating. We're just coasting. And that's over. It's done. We can't do that anymore. Like the time is now that it's like you're going to have to pick a side. By pick a side, I just mean pick Jesus. (laughs) I'm not trying to get political on you. I'm just saying. But there's a good, there's an evil. There's a Jesus and there's the enemy. Like which side are you on? Because this is the battle. Nobody's getting to sit out. Nobody's getting to be like, ma, that's not my thing. No, it's just that's the time right now is the time for war. And so I think it's important for us to acknowledge and to be willing to deal with our hearts in any way that we have allowed ourselves to become complacent, any way that we have allowed ourselves to just become apathetic. Because this, it's not safe to be in that place right now. Because what you are creating is like, then you'll just be pulled. You'll be easily pulled to whichever side is just kind of the more comfortable or the easier one. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Okay, we don't want to do that. And so as we move into this place, you know, we just need to remember that the, the place where we feel weak, where we feel tired, where we feel inadequate, that's the place where the Lord wants to minister to us and equip us to then have everything that we need. And so I believe today part of what the Lord wants to do is bring a refreshing to our souls and minister that to us where we feel empty to just pour out and fill up because he sees that and he cares about that. You know, the Lord's amazing. He's not this, I mean, yeah, he's like this warrior, mighty in battle, but he's not this wicked tyrant who just doesn't care, you know? And that's the beautiful part. The Lord can comfort you in your pain. He can minister to you where you're weary, and then he can put a sword in your hand and call you out to charge, and he's the warrior king, right? He's all of those things, and we need all of those things right now. We just need the Lord like we've never needed him before, and we need all the parts of him, and I think we're going to get to see aspects of him that we've never seen before because we haven't needed it, but now we need it. We desperately, desperately need it. I'm just going to remind you. This is a very familiar verse. It's a favorite, but I'm just going to remind you If you're in that place of feeling weary, it's Isaiah 40, 28 to 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. In the kingdom, things don't always make sense. So you can be renewed in your weariness in a way that just surpasses your understanding and doesn't logically make sense. 
Because as I talk about engaging in war, you may not feel like you have it in you. You really, you're like, that sounds good, but I just can't. But here's the thing. Christ is in you. So it's okay that you can't because Christ in you can. Guys, we've got to learn to live by the Spirit and live by the power of Christ in us, not our own flesh. We get to just be the house of the Holy Spirit. We don't have to lean into the flesh and all of its limitations. We get to just be the vessel for the Holy Spirit to do his thing through. Okay, and so in this time of battle, you know, we are, we are required to engage. And I just want to encourage you, in this time, it's, it's not some vague assignment. I feel like this is like, um, it has come to our doorstep. You know, I had this thought of, um, you know, you've got the military. They sign up. They know what they're signing up for. They get trained, and they go to battle, right? And that's generally how battles happen, is the militaries engage with each other. And that's great. And that's the people that feel like, I'm a warrior inside. So they go do that. They go do the warrior thing. But not everybody's called to be in the military. And that's okay. But then there's the times where the battle comes to your front door. And it doesn't matter that you're not in the military. The enemy doesn't care if you're not enlisted in the military. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy anyway. And so you better believe that you're going to need to pick up whatever weapon you can find. That kitchen butcher knife, that rake, that shovel, whatever you can find, and you're going to become a warrior here in just a minute because it's now come to you. And that's the time I think that we're in. It's okay maybe that you don't have this raging warrior inside you. You have Christ in you who will equip you for the battle that is at hand. And so don't allow yourself to shrink back. Don't begin to talk to yourself about what you are or aren't. Allow yourself to be called by the Lord in this time to just be obedient to whatever it looks like to be you right now in this battle, okay? This is not, none of us are supposed to look like each other in this, guys. I'm like the crazy lady up here. You're like, and I can't be like that. That's fine, don't be. The world doesn't need too many of me. <laughs> One is probably plenty. You be who you God made you to be, but allow him to show you those weapons. Allow him to show you those things that he wants you to engage with right now that maybe you've never used before but now's the time. Time's at hand, okay? And so we just need to be open to hearing from his spirit. You know, I love lions are just one of my favorite animals because there's just a beauty, a majesticness, and a fierceness about them that is just inspiring. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, you know, it's incredible. Christ lives in us, and he's the lion of Judah. So no matter who you are and how you're wired, the lion of Judah lives inside you. So you're a lion, even if you don't feel like one. <laughs> and maybe you're going to realize that you're more of one than you realize in this time. All right, so I want to just get real practical here. How's that sound? We're going to talk about what does warfare look like. First, I think it's really important that we accept the assignment. We acknowledge, okay, this is the time that I'm in. And I'm willing to go there with the Lord. You know, as a believer, you're enlisted in the army of God. That's part of what it looks like to be a believer. You know, we're the family of God. We're the army of God. We're, there's the different things. And that's part of our role as believers is part of the army of God. But I think knowing that in your mind and choosing to engage with the Lord that way are two very different things. And so I think it's important that you actually stop and you make a conscious decision to go, you know what, Lord? I don't understand what's going on, but I'm in. I'm going to just give myself to you, and I'm going to trust you 
that you can take me and you can show me what I need to do. And I'm not putting any rules on you. I'm not putting any regulations or restrictions. I'm just going to say I'm in. Equip me, train me, and give me your orders. I think it's important that we do that consciously with the Lord. Because there's something in us that changes when we have made that surrender. The Lord is not going to force you. He just doesn't do that. He's going to invite you. And if you will cooperate with him, he's going to meet you right there in the thick of it. In that is reaffirming your commitment to him. And this, I mean, I'm not saying you need to rededicate your life. Like you, you maybe are walking closely with the Lord right now. But just reminding yourself and reminding the Lord, like, Lord, I am committed to you. It is God or bust. There is no other option for me. This is Esther. I'll do it. And if I die, I die. It was it. We've got to all come to that place where that's it. God is our only option. We will do whatever he says, and that's it. There's no plan B. And so that, to again, to consciously make that choice and to verbalize that to the Lord, again, the Lord doesn't need that. You need that. Because then you're accountable to your own self and your own commitment. And you're like, nope, I, I told the Lord. I, I can't, I'm in. I've committed here. I think it's important to mentally prepare for the fact that training and engagement in battle is painful to our flesh. Guys, that's true of anything that's worthwhile. <laughs> is it is painful. Our flesh is just selfish and lazy, and it doesn't want to do anything it doesn't want to do. And that's fine. That's why it's our flesh that gets to be crucified. But I think it's good to know, okay, if I'm signing up for this, you know, if you're enlisting in the military, man, you know boot camp is coming. You're like, okay, I hope I make it. You know, you're signing up for something that's going to be really hard and really, really, but you're choosing to do it. And so I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to prepare you. Your flesh may cry. That's all right. The flesh is not the boss of you. The spirit of God is the boss of you. So if your flesh cries, just give it a tissue and carry on, okay? Joel 3 Verse 9, proclaim this among the nations. Consecrate for war. Consecrate for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord consecrate for war. When you're consecrated, that's a part of consecration is being purified. And when you're pure, you are trustworthy. And so then you engage with the Lord in a place where you don't have ulterior motives. Your heart is pure. And you are, you, it's, it's, the Lord can trust you with things. And so in this process, it's important for us to just make sure that we're in a place before the Lord that is pure. And this is a process that we're in. But just understand that our consecration is a critical place, that we, a critical piece of our being able to fully surrender to the Lord and do whatever he's calling us to be. All right, number two, identify your weapons. Okay, so guys, I just read that verse in Joel. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. 
So this is like taking unconventional things and turning them into weapons. And that's what I see the Lord doing right now. I think there's the traditional things that, that look like spiritual warfare, prayer, worship, the word. But then there's other things that maybe are unconventional that the Lord is saying, no, that's your weapon. That's part of who you are. Pick that up and let's bend it a little bit. And it's going to become a weapon that it wasn't before, but it is now. And so that's what's so beautiful about this time, guys, is this is unique. Each one of us get to engage with the Lord in a unique way in this. And so I just want to encourage you that tears is a weapon. Waiting on the Lord is a weapon. Discernment is a weapon. The joy of the Lord is a weapon. And that's not the exhaustive list. So this is really truly about you and the Lord getting together and processing this and letting him show you, okay, what are my weapons for this season? What are my weapons for this war, Lord? What do I need to, what do I need to pick up? And it's important for you to know that your weapon is a custom fit for you. So I may have a sword, you may have a sword, but guess what? My sword has a custom grip on it for my hand. And your sword has a custom grip on it for your hand. I can't pick up your sword and fight with it with near the same skill that I could fight with my own sword. And so I love that. It's a beautiful thing because this is about you and the Lord. Don't take on anything. Let him tell you. And it doesn't matter if it's unconventional. I just, I feel like I need to say that because if the Lord highlights something to you and you're like, what? The Lord's awesome like that and he knows that's a weapon. (laughs) So let him lead you in what it looks like to engage. All right, train with your weapons. You know, what good is a weapon you don't know how to use? Right? Not much good. Maybe you can make a strong stand for a moment, but then if the enemy charges, you're like, you know? 2 Samuel twenty two thirty five. he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You know, I, I have no skill with a bow and arrow. All I know is that it takes a lot of muscle to get the bow to bend if you're not used to it and have not trained with it, right? And so this is what the Lord's saying, trains my hands for war. We need training. Psalm 144, one through two, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. And then catch this, he is my steadfast love and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge. So he's the one who's training you for battle, and he's also your safe place in the midst of it all. He's not leaving you out hanging. He's going to be all your, meet all your needs. And guys, it's so important in this that we are not looking to the left or the right, and we're not comparing ourselves with each other. Because here's the thing, we're the body of Christ. That means we're all different body parts that make up one body. None of us are supposed to fight the same way. None of us have to have the same weapons. Are there similar weapons? Sure. But they don't have to look the same. And so don't concern yourself with what other people are doing unless you're just simply cheering them on and encouraging them. Okay? Do not try to be like anybody else. Not somebody next to you, not somebody ahead of you, not somebody behind you. Okay, this is a time to step into your identity as who you are like never before. And it's going to be awesome because you're going to get secure in that place because you are having to operate as as that person who God's made you to be. And you're going to develop a security, which is going to be amazing. All right, number four, respond to your assignment. 
Guys, this is not a hobby that we fit around our life when we have time. Right now, the time that we're in, our life needs to be rearranged for this. Okay? I don't think we'll always be in this time. I don't think this is a permanent state of being. But right now, this is the time we're in. And this is, it's important. It's critical. It is, it is going to make a difference for the generations. I believe that with everything in me. And so this is not a hobby. This is something that you decide, okay, this is important. Lord, what do I need to rearrange in my life so that I can be faithful in this time and I can do everything that you want me to do in this time? And he's going to show you. He's going to give you strategy. He's going to give you, you know, okay, this is your priorities right now. And then he'll let you know when that shifts again. Number five, remember the battle and the victory are the Lord's. Okay? It can be easy to look around and the, and the little bit that we see that's going on and to just get overwhelmed. That's not our job. Our job is to be faithful and obedient and cooperate with the Lord. And so do not let yourself lose sight of the fact that the victory is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Okay? It's don't take on the weight of I have to win this. You just carry the weight of, nope, I'm yoked with Jesus, and I'm just doing what is my part in that. The Lord carries the weight of the battle. The Lord carries the weight of the victory. And, I mean, he's already done it, so that's, we, we can, you know, come into that place. Deuteronomy 20, 3 and 4. Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. You hear that? Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For it's the Lord who goes. Right? So we need to be quick to bring our minds back into that place. As they start to stray, we're like, no. (laughs) Jesus is king. Jesus has got this. It's his war. Okay. And then we stray. Nope. All right? So this is a muscle that we're going to need to train because the temptation is going to be there to be overwhelmed by what's happening around us. Okay? But we get to wear blinders. We get to wear blinders, and we just keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. We keep our eyes fixed on our captain, our general, right? And we just do the assignment that's in front of us. So I'm going to jump back to Esther. Esther 9, 1 and 2. Now in the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, on the 13th day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all the peoples. We get to fight under the banner of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And right now, there is not a fear of God in this land, but guys, it's coming. (laughs) It's coming. Because God is God. He has not changed. And as he begins to reveal himself, there is going to be a fear of the Lord that falls on this land and falls on our, in our benefit as we are partnered with him. Okay? And so be encouraged. This is the way the story goes. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. It actually then goes on to say, That after the first day, the king came to Esther and said, this is what happened. What else can I give you? 
And she goes, well, here in this city of Susa, can we do it again? And he goes, sure. <laughs> so they had day two. And it's just, it's amazing, the favor that was on her. And again, we're not reveling in the destruction of people. But guys, we don't fight against flesh and blood, right? We fight against the powers of darkness. And we can rejoice in the powers of darkness being torn down. We absolutely should rejoice in strongholds being torn down. That's massive victory that should excite us that we can certainly rejoice in. So guys, as we are in this Esther time, it's been amazing to me to see just the prophetic confirmation in all these different places. And on, um, I think it was on Friday, I came across this article. So Lou Engel had spoken at a conference in 2017 about Esther. And I had seen some videos of it, and I was like, man, that's really cool. And so there's all this unfolding that's happened. But anyway, he wrote this article talking about what the Lord is showing him about right now. And I'm just going to read this one, this one short little snippet um, because I think it'll just confirm to you that we are, we're right in the thick of what the Lord is doing right now. Um, so this is Lou talking. Now, just as the Lord was confirming the need to release this Esther word once again, my friend Chris Berglund also shared with our team a dream he just had. And in the dream, the calendar for the month of October was on the wall. Then he heard a voice say, if you pay the price for the month of October, you'll dictate the news for the next three months. If you pay the price for the month of October, you'll dictate the news for the next three months. I believe this is an Esther strategy from heaven. This month is critical. And guys, I'm, I'm not, my heart is not to make this message political, but the reality is what's happening in our country right now involves politics. And there is an election coming up that is very significant. And so what we get to do is we get to partner with heaven. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to make all the judgments. Isn't that nice? We, it would be good to vote. I would encourage you to vote, but I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. But I'm saying we get to be on the side of heaven. Okay? In our warfare, in our prayer, we get to be on the side of heaven. Okay? And so it doesn't, we don't have to get caught up in what's trying to entrap us right now, but we can absolutely recognize this is a critical month. And guys, if you don't know this, this is one of the highest occult activity months in the year. This month is wicked. It is wicked and dark and evil. And so that's what's happening in the spiritual realm. It's in the natural, but it's really happening in the spiritual realm, okay? And so we need to know that, guys. We've gotta be wise and discerning. This is not a time to sleep. This is not a time to rest. This is not a time to sit. This is a time to fully engage with everything in us because that's the season we're in. And it won't always be that season, hear me. But this is the time to lean in because that's where we're at right now. So we need to examine ourselves and go, what are we doing right now? What, are, what is it gonna look like for me to move into this month? Today's October 4th. So I'm sorry, you got shorted three days. But guess what? The Lord's got it. <laughs> and so I just want to encourage you. I mean, Lou has got, he, he's outlining some stuff that he's feeling led to do, ending in a fast. There's just, there's a lot of awesome ways that you can engage with different things happening. But I'm going to encourage you first and foremost to meet with the Lord. And you and the Lord, you may join in with some different initiatives that are happening this month, but you and the Lord get together first and you figure out what does this look like for you as yourself to engage in this battle like you never have before. And, and go with expectation that the Lord is gonna equip you with what you need. 
I want to encourage you to get very, very practical right now. Okay? So this isn't just, I don't want to like just stir you up to be excited. No, no, no. Figure out, like I'm going to give you some examples of what I'm doing with my family. And you don't need to copy. Do not copy me unless the Lord tells you to. I'm just trying to give you some practical examples. Okay? So we, because of Joshua 1.9, we decided at 109, we pray in tongues together for 10 minutes every day. My phone alarm goes off. It's been really funny. It's gone off in random places. And my kids literally just start praying in tongues. <laughs> and I'm like... Oh yeah, it's our time. Like we'll be with other people, you know. I just it's like, but that's become our. So that's one way that we just make it a priority in our day. Whatever we're doing, we stop and we pray for ten minutes, and then we resume what we're doing. But that's one of the ways that we can go. Okay, we're making this a priority because you know what? Otherwise, it's easy to forget. You can the best laid plans. So you need to make some decisions right now. What does it look like? I would encourage you to be more disciplined with your quiet times with the Lord than you've ever been before. Figure out when do those happen and schedule the rest of your day around it. When does your times with the Lord happen and make those the priority of your day? Draw close to him, draw near to him like you never have before. And this is not about receiving from him. This is just about connecting to him. And then you'll receive what you need when you need it. But make sure it's, you want to do it from a place of purity. Not, you're not using the Lord. You're being obedient and just drawing near to him. When we're in the car, we worship on purpose. We often pray. We take advantage of car time. We take advantage. So that's some of the things that like we've, the kids and I have conference and we're like, okay, what parts of our day can we do this? Right? And we're, we're doing that. And so I want to just encourage you to get very, very practical. Figure out, you know, can you take 10 minutes on your lunch break? Can you do it while you're cooking dinner? Can that be your, you know, intercession time? Or where, like just figure out some practical ways that you are making it a priority with your time. Okay. Clear space and time in your life. If you're super busy and, and it's, you have the luxury of changing that, create space. Because it's worth it, guys. This is an eternal thing that's going on right now. It's worth postponing some things for a couple of weeks if that's what the Lord is telling you to do. So I want to encourage you, get off the sidelines. Because nobody's exempt in this. And I would encourage you, if you feel kind of like, uh, the Lord is a warrior, and we're made in the image of God. And so somewhere deep in you, some of you may be like, There's a, I'm just, that's not me at all. Somewhere deep in you, it is. And it's going to look unique. All right? But Jeremiah 2011, but the Lord is with me as a dread warrior. Therefore, my persecutors will stumble. I mean, just, <laughs> the Lord is a mighty warrior. And if we're made in his likeness, then there's a piece of us that is too. And he's just going to draw it out of you in this time. And so what we need to do, I think, is just ask the Lord to really activate um, that warrior spirit in us right now. This is a time where it's good to be fierce. And guys, I just want to acknowledge, I know in Lancaster County, um, there is a uh, a, a high value for passivity as it relates to, you know, like violence and warfare and things like that. And I'm not challenging your stance on like physical warfare, but in the spirit, it's biblical to get violent on the Lord's behalf. And so if that's an obstacle for you, if you're like the, just the, the word war, just I'm like, mm, ask the Lord to help you with that. Because it is, I mean, that's in this region, there is a value for that. And again, I'm not, I'm not coming against that. I just want to acknowledge that that could create an obstacle for you. And it doesn't have to. 
okay? So let the Lord draw you into what, what you need to be drawn into and, and ask him to remove any obstacles or barriers that could be in place just from your own mindsets or your own preferences or even culture and things like that. All right, so guys, in this time, we need to be vigilant. Chad, if you want to come on up. We need to have our eyes open. Like we, we, we as believers do not have the luxury of sticking our head in the sand right now. And guys, that's hard. I'm, I'm weary of it all. I, I'm going to just be really honest with you. I have days where I'm like, oh, I'm going to just put my head in a pillow. I can't handle anymore. If you need a break, take a break. But we have got to engage. As the people of God, we should always have our ear to heaven. We should always have our discernment on high alert. We should always be operating in the gifts of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit. That's part of our calling as children of God. We are ambassadors of heaven on the earth. Ambassadors don't get to be lazy and complacent. They're on. They have a job to do. And so I don't say that in any way to shame you. I say that to encourage you. This is a chance for us to collectively wake up and take responsibility for our role in this time and here on this earth and here in this country right now. And we get to do it together. That's the beautiful thing. It's not just one of us. It's all of us. Let's encourage each other. This is not an easy time to be in. Guys, we're all going to be stretched in ways that feel painful. So let's encourage each other. Let's do this together as brothers and sisters, okay? Because where you're weak, I may be strong. Where I'm weak, you may be strong. We get to encourage each other in this battle charge, okay? We get to encourage each other in this engagement. We get to cover each other in prayer, all right? So let's just let our gaze be fixed on the Lord and let's not let ourselves follow what the enemy is wanting to do of just like, just bowing down, really. You know, I think it's so profound what Mordecai said to Esther. He was like, you think you're gonna be safe because you're here in the palace? Because if you're quiet, you are still gonna be destroyed. Somebody else will be raised up for the deliverer. So guys, we could be quiet. We can opt out. We can avoid attention. I'm not saying we need to be seeking attention. I'm just saying we can be in that posture of like, okay, if I just do what I'm told and kind of just like hang here, like maybe this will all pass over. Well, not if that's true. Not if the enemy is, is determined to completely destroy everything good, everything of God. Nobody's exempt. Doesn't matter if you're quiet. Doesn't matter if you do what you're told, right? So let's not be in that posture. Let's rise up like Esther and say, okay, I'm gonna do this thing. God or bust, I'll take the risk, I'll make the jump. All right, I'm signing it all over. Lord, here's my life again in a fresh way. And I'm willing to do whatever you say. So guys, I felt like as we close, we have kind of a variety of things that, that we're, gonna, we're gonna go through that I just felt like the Lord wanted me to to do. First, I felt like we just needed to spend a couple of minutes examining our hearts and repenting for any way that we have been complacent or apathetic. 
because we can't move forward with those things in place. And so I feel like to, to move forward and to pick up our weapons in charge when we've not dealt with that, we'll, we'll be handicapped. Okay, so as Chad plays, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna quiet the room and I want you to just engage with the Lord with your own heart and any way that you have just been in agreement with that. I just wanna encourage you, this is a time of repentance. Just, I know we just took communion, but sometimes the Lord brings up different things that we didn't know were in there. And so this may not be for everybody, but I wanna encourage you. I felt strongly apathy, refusing to take responsibility, passivity, and fear of man. That was four things I felt real strongly that are, that are worth considering if we just need to repent. Guys, repentance is a gift. Let the Lord take you there if that's what he has. Okay, Holy Spirit, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this word. God, I thank you for what you're doing in each one of us. And I ask right now, Lord, that you would just meet with us, that you would lead us, that you would speak to us, and that you would convict us. Lord, we welcome your conviction. God, would you examine our hearts and would you give us the gift of repentance where it is needed, Lord? stand up and I'm just going to pray over you um, I felt to pray for just a refreshing over you and just a strengthening and I just want to encourage you to, to wait on the Lord in this time with expectation because I, I literally I mean I see him just like it's like just pouring water like into an empty vessel I mean just pouring out the refreshing and it's just it's like um when you, when you pour water on a plant that's like almost dead, you can almost watch it respond, you know, when it gets water. And that's what I see right now. And so I just wanna encourage you to just expect refreshing from the Lord right now. Lord, I thank you, Father, that, that for every person in this room, God, you see them and you know them. And God, you know the places where they are weary, where they are broken, where they are tired. And Lord, I just ask right now by the power of your spirit that you would pour out refreshing. God, that the wind of your spirit would blow through this room and would refresh hearts, minds, bodies, and souls.
Lord, I lift off heavy burdens. God, those that are carrying heavy burdens that are too heavy for them to carry. God, I thank you that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And so right now in the spirit, I just lift off those heavy burdens from the shoulders. And I just thank you, Lord, for carrying our burdens. Lord, I just thank you right now for releasing peace into minds. Lord, I thank you that where chaos has reigned, there will be peace. Where confusion has reigned, there will be peace. Lord, I thank you that even in the midst of of storms, in the midst of crazy circumstances, God, you are the Prince of Peace. And I just pray right now for release of the peace of God into the minds of your people and into the hearts of your people. I just say, peace be still in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord. So Father, I just thank you. God, as we keep our eyes fixed on you, God, that you are so faithful to meet us, to walk with us, to speak to us, and to lead us. And God, I thank you for the privilege it is to partner with you. All right, guys, we're going to shift gears. And I just want to remind you as we shift gears, Chad, I'm going to invite people to get free in here. We're going to shift into some worship. And it is just declaring the victory of the Lord and declaring who he is. And guys, this is a great opportunity to step out of your comfort zone. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I want you to just do what you need to do. But there is space in this room to spread out. Come out of your seat if you want to. Come up to the front. Go to the back. I just want to encourage you to just let's, let's go to war right now together in worship. Because we can war in worship as a body all together. And so I want to encourage you to just let the Holy Spirit lead you right now and to just make the shift. And we're just going to go after the Lord and we're just going to declare who he is together. Remind ourselves and remind the enemy that he is the victorious one. He is the king. And the enemy's already been defeated. And we're just enforcing that defeat. God of oh my 
victorious king. Like, we don't have to wonder. It's an honor. We get to go into battle that way. That's not normally how it works, I don't think, you know? Um, Jeremy just feels real strongly. I'm going to have him share, and then we're going to wrap up here in a couple minutes. But I want to encourage you, if this message just, you were like, oh my gosh, I don't even really know what you're talking about, and I don't know where to start. Guys, start in worship. Here you go. Find your favorite. I've got like my war, my warrior playlist <laughs> that I get on, and I'm like, all right, Lord. Like, I can be in a bad mood, and I'm like, all right, I'm shifting gears. And that's where I start, because it fixes my eyes on him. I just fix my eyes on Jesus, and then he'll lead me. And so if you don't know where to start, start in worship, Okay. So I kept seeing this, uh, this, this picture over and over again in my mind, and it's that picture of when, when an individual signs up to join the military, and they, and they, they ship off, they, they go to boot camp, and then there's this drill sergeant standing in front of them with like a bag open, they drop everything in. They take out their keys, they take out their phones, they take out their wallets, they take out everything that they have because of the amount of information, the amount of training, the amount of just important stuff that they have to fix their attention on for the next season of their lives. And there's gonna be no outside distraction. There's gonna be nothing from the world that can interfere with what they're trying to get through their minds, for what they're trying to train them with. And I just really felt like like the Lord was, was even get, asking us to give up an offering of what we have committed ourselves to, even, even the things that aren't bad, but like for this season, for the next 30 days, for the month of October, that we are choosing to give up. And I, and I, I saw everybody taking out their phones and just what, how much time are you spending with the Lord every day? And any app on your phone that is more than that, delete it right now. Some, I don't know, some of you might get rid of your phones for the month. That, I mean, is that, is, that, is that hard? I love the news. I just, deleted, I just deleted my news app off my phone. If it's Facebook, whatever it is, if you are spending more time, if you pick up your phone and that's the first thing you go to, when you could be picking up and going to the Bible app or you could be reading your Bible, I feel like, I don't care. If you, if you feel like bringing it back in 30 days from now, go for it. But I feel like your taste might change if you commit to this for the next 30 days. But if, we, if this is a season of war, then, you're, the, then the perception of your mind, something has to change. And there's literally this emptying of your pockets, emptying of the things that you have that are gonna be a distraction from what the goal and the mission is over the next month. So I'm like, let's take out our phones, guys. Peter's, Peter's like, what, what, what? <laughs> This is gonna be hard. I'm, I'm, this is for you and the Lord, I'm not gonna, come around looking at everybody's phones, but I just, I just want to challenge you guys. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to ask you, but I want you guys to really take this seriously, that this next month is extremely important. And if you're willing to do that for God, like there, it, it is going to show, it is going to pay off. And I ask that whenever you pull out your phone to be like, oh wait, I, I deleted that. Let's, let's take the time that you would have spent while you were sitting there on your break, while you would have spent doing something else, say, all right, God, I remembered why I deleted that. And, and commit, say, I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna pray in tongues. I'm gonna read the Bible. I'm gonna do something that's worthy of my time and I'm gonna commit to it. So that's what I got. This is, a, this is a challenge, but I promise you it's worth it, so. Yeah. Amen. Amen, yeah. That's where we're at. Stakes are high. We're not messing around. It's not a game. It's going to be worth it. Yeah. 
Anytime we partner with the Lord, it's always worth it. So guys, as we close, I just want to pray over you a quick commissioning. Commissioning in a more formal way into the army. And we get to be the threshold branch. You know, we're the threshold branch of the army, which is awesome. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this people. God, I thank you for the hearts that are in this room. God, I thank you for each person that is here. And, Lord, I thank you for the honor and the privilege that it is to be enlisted in your army. God, the honor to partner with heaven. God, I thank you that we are not without hope. We are not without hope in this time. Lord, because we know the king of kings. And so, Lord, we just declare right now that you are our king, our Lord, our master, our general, and we will go where you go, do what you say. And, Lord, I just commission each person in this room to step into their role of enlistment today. I bless them. Lord, I thank you for an impartation of a warrior spirit right now. God, I thank you for releasing a warrior spirit in this room right now. And and to those watching, Lord, I just thank you for releasing a warrior spirit. God, that is stirred up to fight right now. God, I thank you. God, that we're not going to be stirred up in our flesh and our emotions. Right now, we just, God, I thank you that we do not have to be jerked around by our emotions. But God, that we will be governed by the spirit of God. And that the warrior spirit in us is governed by the Holy Spirit. And so I just thank you, Father. We just receive from you right now afresh everything that is needed. And God, I just bless these people. I bless them, Lord. I bless them as they go. I bless their homes. God, and I just thank you for this month. God, I thank you for the work that you are doing. And we just say, let it be done. Let the kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, can we let out a shout to the Lord? Can we just let out? For more information about Threshold Church, visit the website at threshold-church.com.